Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. Hi, I'm Josh. I'm Kylie. And on today's episode, we talk about the best teachers in film. Well, or at least our favorite ones. Some that we have ta- liked. I like how that's been like the de-evolution of our list. So at first we're like, yeah, these are the best. We're going to go. And now we're just like, eh, these are five. We like them. We want to like shout them out. Honestly, I think we might be pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm going to say something about film teachers. Oh, okay. They are often terrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> they're often played for a joke. Yep. Or they're the villain. Uh-huh. Because a lot of times teachers occur in, in a school setting, uh-huh. so usually we're following a student, and some trouble. they sometimes have troubles with their uh, teachers. Yeah. So, um, or they're there at the beginning, and then the child has their growth, and then they're there at the end being like, I told you you could do it all along, kid. Okay, so you found, the, you found two of the tropes that I was looking to <laughs> and find, where they're like, awful, uh-huh. or they are beginning and end <laughs> and then the third one is they are super inspirational <laughs> and those are the three things teachers get to be in film yeah you can't just have a normal teacher yeah, you can't just be like oh hey i'm i'm the teacher or like very rarely is there a story of like like a regular like just story like a drama of some kind where the person's job happens to be teacher like yeah i think i might have one okay okay yeah. we're we'll get there okay awesome but like i have one where a teacher is a little not one of those three okay but i will agree that's yeah. that's all that there is for teachers yeah so um this profession that many the majority of us have uh encountered in our lives yeah absolutely um we've probably met a teacher yeah. We've probably had a teacher as a teacher. We've probably, like, hated a teacher. We've probably liked a teacher. We've probably been indifferent about a teacher. Yeah. However, teachers are not full-rounded individuals most of the time. Well, wait, in film? Yes. Okay. No, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, what judgment are you making on teachers? Because, like, I'm a teacher. Like... That's nope. A thing. It's a, as soon as I become a teacher, I will lose my personality. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Kylie, why why are we here doing this this list today? Well, school started. Yeah. We didn't yeah. want to talk about a clown. Yeah, fair enough. Um, have you seen the clown yet? No, I don't think I will. Oh, okay. Is this like you and is this like me and Dark Phoenix? No. Oh, okay. You you. If, if the time had come, you would have seen it. Yeah. I don't want to see this, Josh. Okay. It's... I mean, it's nearly three hours. It's spooky. Um, my favorite uh, Letterboxd no, review so far. because I no longer want to go to horror movies. Just period? End of story? Yeah. Okay. I'm done. Well, I can be done with them, too. No, you can't. I can. No. My collection's solid. Your collection is horrible. <laughs> Don't be too loud and sleepy. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, I mean, I, I'll, I'd still go see Jordan Peele. Uh-huh. Um, Ari Aster. Sure. Possibly. But I also feel like both of those directors would make non-horror films also. Someday. Uh, maybe even <laughs> soon. Who knows? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll keep the Conjuring universe alive. Solo myself. I, feel, I got this. I think that if they remake this Candyman, 
if they are or if it's I don't know if they what are. What is Candyman? What? You don't know what Candyman is? Is that Pinhead? No. Okay. Because one of them is. His name might be Toby. McGuire. No, shh, I'm getting there. <laughs> He's the guy in. Oh, deep cuts, Josh. Okay. He's the guy who might be Death in the Final Destination. Oh, that's deep cuts indeed. It's not if you have ever seen a horror film. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I'm the one who didn't care for him, and you're the one who's trying to quit him. So, oh, I can't, I can't beat it. I can't. Are you just gonna be the next horror film you're gonna be sitting in? You're just gonna be like, I can't beat it. Tony Todd. Tony Todd. Do you know who Tony Todd is? No, I don't. Well, Candyman is like, Candyman is based off of an urban legend. Um, Virginia Madison's in it. Very important person in my life. She's in um, Highlander 2, the worst movie ever made. Oh, she's also in Sideways. She is. Yeah. Not the worst movie ever made. Yeah. That's probably one of, like, like if you take a film that's not innately about, a tra- like, a tragedy, uh-huh. Sideways is probably, like, the saddest movie I've seen. Yeah. We might be the only people referencing sideways on like an everyday basis. Oh, I, I, gosh, I just I remember my mom was the one that explained to me why it was called sideways, and I was like, "Whoa!" Can I can I tell you that one of my favorite bits that we've had recently was when we were in the Peanut Butter Falcon and we just kept calling Thomas Hayden Church Paul Giamatti. Yeah, because I was trying to get all three names. <laughs> I was on board with it. <laughs> like, yeah, he was in Sideways and the Spider Man film. Well, kind of. <laughs> George Jungle. Yeah, you know. Um, so Candyman is about an urban legend, and it's been it's been too long since I've seen it, so I'm gonna try and explain it my best. But I think Tony Todd played a freed slave back from like the 17 or 1800s, 1800s, 1700. Okay, and he is he is lynched. And then, so he haunts the town, and if you say his name three times, he'll come and haunt. It's like Bloody Mary, but like, Candyman. I'm on board. I'm on Candyman's side, apparently. Okay. Based on that definition, I'm on Candyman's side. Yeah, there's some, there's some, I, I think, I think the reason why he was murdered was because he was in a relationship with a white woman. Who super on Candyman's side. And I think they're remaking it, and I think that Jordan Peele is attached to it in some way, probably maybe like just a producer. Um, I the, I hear a lot more of these ins and outs from Black Men Can't Jump, uh-huh. um, and I only listen to the episodes that I've seen the movie. Fair. <laughs> someday, I'll, someday I'll just go back and try it all, but right now in life. But yeah, I, I, that 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 would be an interesting thing for us to read. <laughs> I don't have a reference to Tony Todd, unless I just don't know that I have a reference Josh, to Josh, we can watch the entire Final Destination. There's only five, five of them. Josh, 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 when you get to the end of it, there's just something very satisfying about what's happened. Okay, maybe spoilers <laughs> for the Final Destination franchise. Uh-huh. Is it the end of it, the beginning of it? Yeah. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> it's like Fast and Furious. <laughs> no? That's not the beginning of that. Well, kind of. I mean, listen. Do, do you want to know my theory? Do you want to know my theory? Okay. The vo- okay, I got, I've heard three theories for Hobbs and Shaw. Oh. I don't know if they matter. I, I have three. I have three theories. Okay, so yeah, Three uh-huh. theories. 
and I am equally on board with all of them. Oh, okay. Theory one. Okay. So it's all about the voice of, like, the mechanical people. Oh, okay. Okay. One. Because it's David Leach and he's apparently just bringing everyone back that yeah, he's ever worked with. Um, so it's going to be Keanu Reeves as the head of this corp. I mean, I've wanted Keanu in this franchise for a long time. Two. It's going to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson's dad. Now, they're, they're, the rumors haven't casted a person. Oh, okay. So not actual Rocky Johnson. No. But like an actor. Yeah, okay. an actor. Yeah, I know who Dwayne The Rock Johnson's dad is. I also know who his grandpa is. It's High Chief Peter Maivia. Three. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, like, so, like, the voice knows both Statham and Rock. Statham and Johnson, sorry. Is it Luke Evans? Is it Luke Evans? No. Oh. That when Statham killed Hans, he didn't actually kill Hans. Oh, good. And Hans is a Hans. mechanical mouse. Singular. Hans <laughs> is actually <laughs> a mechanical man. <laughs> My my theory had nothing to do with any of this. Um, but Josh, Josh. okay. I, my favorite of those is Keanu. Like, okay, I wanted Keanu in this franchise for a very long time. Like, let's go, Keanu, get here. Uh, my theory is Why that. Why are you yelling? Oh, I'm sorry. I just <laughs> gotta pop the mic. So sorry. Um, I got excited apparently. Um, so we know. That that Dominic Toretto has a son, all right. Uh-huh. The son's name is Brian, all right. Brian Toretto. It's a that's a name, all right. And the, what we don't know is we don't know the name of the mysterious child that Jordana Brewster was carrying in Furious Seven, and so if his name was Dominic. Then, then, within like twenty years down the road, when they're inherently reboot this franchise after all the infighting's broken it apart, you've got Brian and Dominic again, but reverse. I really don't think they're ever going to stop. I think that. <laughs> oh, great! So just twenty years down the road, when they're still making movies. Yeah, people may yeah. come and go, but Fast and Furious is forever. Um, Fast forever. I I would I struggle with that sentence because. I, at the soul of things, mm-hmm. at this point, don't think you can have a fast movie without Vin Diesel. They did too. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they are solely on the bottom of my rankings. Well, they had like kind of three. Three. Three, what? Utah. Three. What's the third? Okay, well, Tokyo Drift, I know he's at the end, but who cares? No, yeah, that's one of the ones that he's fast not in. Fast two. Oh, yeah, too fast. Okay, but... That's why I said at this point, mm-hmm. because, like, you could have had Paul Walker or or um, mm. Vin Diesel. Okay. But okay. since we can't have Paul Walker anymore, we got to have Vin Diesel. Okay. Um, well, I, whoa, whoa. We yeah. could have Clint Eastwood's son. No. We could not. Yeah, That's, we can. That, we could. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, I would also, like, I'd be willing to give you if you just gave me... Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, I'd do that. I'd do that. Okay. All right. But, like, solo adventure, I'd also be willing for the ludicrous Tyrese buddy cop film. No, they're not cops, but just buddy film. Maybe they are cops. Maybe that's it. Maybe they're like, yeah, let's go be cops now. But not let's be cops. Not that movie. I can't believe I made you go see that. <laughs> okay, I have a question for you. Uh, yeah. You have to sit through one of these movies again. Uh-huh. 
like market zero time. Okay. Let's be cops. Mm-hmm. Stuber. I just put the bullet in my head. <laughs> no, 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 you got it, you got it, you got it, you got it through out of them. Oh, just put the bullet. Let's be cops. Stuber. Death should be an option. No, death is not an option. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I take the gun from you and then I just <laughs> pop one off. This is the question on everybody's brain, Kylie. We've been thinking about it for decades at this point. I've already made so much money. Stuber? It. Oh, it. Ugh, what's it made? Oh, well, worldwide, it's at 131 million. <laughs> Domestically, just 37 million. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, that's still good for September, though. Not as good as the first one, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, so, I mean, that's just their Friday. They don't have yesterday yet, but... They made 37 million on Friday alone? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah, okay. Maybe. <laughs> they... I'm and, pretty sure they got into the 90s on 90 million range on It Chapter 1. So opening weekend uh -huh. was 123 million. Oh, okay. That's what I was, so I thought we but yeah, who we did well. Mm-hmm. We did, yeah. Yeah, we did, all of us. It was us who did it. Did I tell you about my favorite It Chapter 2 review? No. It is by... Friday it made 50 million, so we're, we're below. We're behind. Okay, well, there we go. It is by uh, Matt Singer, and it is three words. And, and an ellipses. It, ellipses, is long. That's my favorite review of that movie so far. So far. Yeah. Just wait till you read my review. Uh, well, apparently I will never read swipe your review. Swipe for no swiping. Swipe for <laughs> no swiping. Just your review of Dora again. Yeah. Your review. This isn't actually a review of It Chapter 2. I just wanted to log the movie. This is actually a review of Dora the Explorer. Kylie, yeah, we've been chatting for a bit, uh -huh. and I've been trying to think of a solid inquiry of the half squared Fortnite for this episode. That's okay, we don't need one. We Let's don't just need jump one. in. Just jump in. Yeah, great. Hey, if you want to tell us about any of the recent movie news or things that we've talked about, or hey, tell us why we should cover that crazy clown that we don't want to cover, you can do so at friend of a friend podcast at squarespace dot com. If you wanted us to cover the crazy clown, you should have won our um uh oscar bracket and you didn't so yeah there you go whoever won the oscar bracket picked dune huh <sighs> you can also find us on facebook at friend of a friend podcast you can find us on apple Podcasts and itunes with a five star review or any star review as well as hit that subscribe button or... that helps us get more listeners thank you so much for listening and now on with the show I was listening to a podcast and they're all like, why would Jessica Chastain want to be in It Chapter 2? It makes no sense. And I was literally like, y'all, y'all jokers must be crazy. She's yeah. worked with that homie before, like. Who's the director of It Chapter 2? The guy that did Mama that she's in. Also, I think she said out loud that she's a Stephen King fan. And works work. Like, I mean, also, it's a fairly prestigious franchise for right now, you know? It's a it's a chance to be in a well-known movie that's not a superhero movie, which is unique right now. She gets to work with McAvoy for the third time, at least. I mean, that's everyone's favorite. Mm -hmm. Also, Bill Hader. <laughs> Who, I always just think Bill Hader is older than everyone else, <laughs> but they are the same age. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, the early stuff that I've heard have said that the movie itself might be a little hit or miss, but Hater's good. So I'm like, yeah, Hater. Well, when isn't he? I'm sure I could, like, <laughs> find some cameos where he's in some real low-rent comedies. Well, I mean, when we only give him a cameo and we don't uh-huh. give him the spotlight. Uh-huh. Okay. Wasn't he in, um, oh man. Wasn't he in Popstar? Yeah, Josh, everyone was in Popstar. You and I were in Popstar. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, no, I was gonna say, wasn't he in, uh, How to Be a Latin Lover? Is he, like, the, is he somebody's boss? I feel like he has a weird cameo in that movie, and I might be thinking of somebody else who's, like, Kristen Bell's boss or something. Because, like, Kristen Bell has a small part in that movie. I may be thinking of somebody else. Maybe I'm thinking of Rob Riggle. Well, okay, so. Okay. According to his letterbox, okay. or not letterbox, his Wikipedia, uh-huh. he is not here. Okay. You know what film he's actually in? Yeah, go for it. Maggie's Plan. <laughs> oh, I always get How to Be a Latin Lover and Maggie's Plan confused because Eugenio Derbez and Ethan Hawke are the same. Uh-huh. Okay. Where's my Bill Hader Eugenio Debrez movie? Oh, Josh, we there. No, it is there. Oh God, it is. No, I don't. No, I don't want it that way. I want it differently. I'm sorry. We have not done our emergency Eugenio yet. Do we need to do that like now? No, we okay. gotta do this stupid teachers list. <laughs> this teachers list is is uh. Is, is not my idea. I mean, I liked it. It was good, but it wasn't mine. I can't claim it. That's no, fine. Uh, Kylie, did you have any uh, rules, any provisos, any uh, quid pro quos? Probably needed to be a teacher. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, how did you... You might be upset with me. How did you define the word teacher? One who teaches. One who teaches? Great. Um... I had to be in some form of class. I have I have one that's teetering on the edge of whether or not I get to count it, but I'm going to count it. And you can't stop me, Josh. Oh, I also have one <laughs> that uh, you're going to be like, no, you're wrong. And I'm like, but. So I definitely, I didn't stretch the term of teacher by any means, but I, I also, my brain went that like, there are teachers who you can encounter and mentors who you can encounter who are not necessarily a teacher per se. However, they serve the same function as a teacher might in your life. Do you have like Merlin from like the Sword in the Stone? <laughs> I don't, but he w- <laughs> he was on some of, some like things in some way. But yes, so like Merlin from the Sword in the Stone is a good like <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a good area to think on there. But it's not necessarily him. All right, I guess we're going to talk about one of your uh, your comedies then. One of my comedies? Yeah. One of your comedies. Oh, okay. Um, also, my sad day of, since this is in film, uh, I can't talk about TV teachers. So, Mr. Feeney, not here. Miss Frizzle, not here. <sighs> Mr. Feeney's like a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, go away. Mr. Feeney's like the best. You can't, you cannot <laughs> insult Mr. Feeney and then be like, oh, but you got quiet down like I'm that. I'm thinking about your wife. Well, you know what? She's probably already awake at this point. I'm loud. <laughs> We could practice not being loud. Yeah, but then how's the microphone going to pick me up? Oh, it, Josh, no worries. I'll just, <laughs> if we're both quiet, then all I have to do is just make the whole thing louder. <laughs> Rather than make you constantly quieter. <laughs> 
See, don't ever say that your job as a producer is not appreciated, Kylie. So, anyways, where was I? Um, you were calling Mr. Feeney a stalker? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, no? Like, yeah, I know he's not, but like... That, that's that to they have to make that construct to keep him in the show but he constantly just follows Corey matthews throughout which then like led me to believe that at the end it would be revealed that he was like dead and he was just trying to help these children through their he life. was a ghost the whole time oh. yeah the only one that ever felt awkward to me was the college one um, because he retires at the end of when they graduate high school. Mm-hmm. So there's a season, or maybe it's even half a season, where he's just retired and not out of school. And then I was like, but you don't have any college, like, experience? You, do you have a master's? I don't know. Like, you could. You very well could. But, like, who's hiring you? Are you the dean now? What's happening? Wasn't he, like, the principal at one point also? Like, there's so much. Yeah. Well, cause so yeah, he starts as his teacher, uh-huh. and then he's the principal of high school, mm-hmm. which to me like makes a tiny bit of sense. Like you could be going for your admin degree, like that's a thing you could be doing. We we don't get a storyline about it, but sure, all right. I mean, he's just a teacher; it's not important. Uh, it is important. All right, my number, my number five is Sheldon Cooper from A Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Okay. No, it's not. Oh, great. That's a television show. <laughs> he sure is a de- professor, though, right? I think so. Okay, because he works at a university, and he gets funding through the university, which leads me to believe that he must be also a professor there, because, or at least some form of a lecturer, because that's how, like, a lot of yeah. people who work for universities I get their funding. I know Johnny Galecki's character is... Leonard Hofstadter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I know Penny's last name. Raj and... um, Raj Cooper Polly. And um, Simon Helberg. Um, Um, Howard? Howard uh, Wallowitz. They also work at the university, right? Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. But Wallowitz only has a master's degree, which means that if he's going to be teaching, he's going to be teaching 100 level classes, introductory classes, which is also very... Yeah. Um, We had one... We had a... I had a professor who taught a 360 class. It was geometry, and he only had his master's degree. And the reason why he taught the 360 class was he was the only one who knew how to use the program in the math department at a proficient level. Isn't Bernadette also, like... I think she works at a different university, though. Oh, but she's, like, brain, right? Yeah, she has a PhD in micro... No, that's, uh... That's... Blossom. Oh, okay. Um, Yalom Bialystok? Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Bernadette is a microbiologist. Great. With a PhD. And Penny is an actor. At one point, she does get into pharmaceutical sales. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I'm... Because <laughs> she, she realizes that Hollywood is a hive of scum and villainy. She's not wrong. Get out while you can. Yeah, but then we're just going to be left with, with, like, animated robot actors. My number five is Miss Norbit from Mean Girls. Oh, Miss Norberry? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that's... Is, the, that's, her, that's, is that her name? Yeah, it's Norberry. It's a crossover. She on my list, too. She's great. Yeah. Fun times. Okay. Where is she on yours? Uh, she liked number three, but since you... <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you move her on down to number five? Sure, okay. <laughs> and then we'll just be at the same spot. Okay, great. 
Um. <laughs> or I could just kick her off my list and talk about somebody else at this point. Miss No, Josh. We finalized it already. We didn't. We stamped it. We got it signed. Oh, I should have just said nothing. I should have just been like, good pick, and then I could have just moved my other guy in. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That's all right. Miss Norbury, number five. She's... Sure. So. <laughs> she number three, though, really. Well, I think one of the reasons why I have Miss Norbury on this list is that she is very... She's very in tune to the problems that are facing this high school, and they're they're heightened. They're not at a level of like. I mean, I don't know if it's realistic. I guess I should say some high schools could be crazy like this. Yeah. But she understands those issues, and she validates those issues. But she herself doesn't get caught up in those issues with herself. But she focuses on trying to make it a more a better school for everyone there, and to make. To make peace with everyone. Yeah. To the point where, out of nowhere, principals like, teach this seminar on how to, girls to be nice to each other. Yeah. And she just goes in and she's just very natural about it. She's very calm. I think that the way that she approaches this is, is a very is pretty even keeled. There is that moment where Regina George is like, well, I've never been a mean person than, like, Miss Norberry's. How many people have been bullied by Regina George? Victimized. Victimized. <laughs> Everybody raises their hand. Um, and so she doesn't take up with any of the crap of anything, and she's just very much like, we are going to solve the issues. Now, we don't get to see her teach much. We do get to see her encourage Katie to join the mathletes uh-huh. and to be one of the cool kids. Yes. Um, but I think that just her she has such a big presence in that high school of being, like, not just the cool teacher, but the realistic teacher that yeah. you can go and talk to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's the scene for me like, that you mentioned where she has to give the, like, let's be, let's stop shooting each other like garbage speech. Um, and that that's what really pushes her over the top to making my list. Um, I think that there is also a real human element to her and I feel like a lot of the teachers that I've connected to have had a really human element to them and like she lets uh, she being Miss Norberry as played by Tina Fey um, lets her emotions be seen and known like when you know when Caddy I can't remember what specifically it does like she I think she lies about something and like that that like Miss Norberry is clearly hurt by that action and like that's clearly seen like she's disappointed in her student and it's it's a more complex relationship than a lot of times that we see even somebody like who's a teacher that i have on my honorable mentions list which is the paul rudd character in perks of being a wallflower for me um like you don't see a lot of interaction there he's a really he's a really one note kind of character um and so even in the limited way that because tina fey in some ways fits into that type that we talked about of the like Shows up at the beginning, shows up at the end, kind of thing. Um, and she's a little more present, but not a lot. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's why she ends up making my list. She's. I feel like she's also just a little bit more present because Tina Fey helps with writing this. Yes. And so, like... Yeah. It's the burn book. The burn book is where you see her emotions. Sorry, I had to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I... I, I it's not just the cool teacher that doesn't care about the students, but yeah. it's, like, the cool teacher who wants people to stop trying to kill each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my 
Number and four. doesn't she, doesn't Caddy go to her and she's like, I need to make up some extra credit so I can pass your class. And she's like, buckle up, you're a mathlete yes, now. <laughs> yeah. I think it's because she needs to, it's that and like somehow it's like not getting her kicked out of school. She has to join the mathletes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Miss Nor- Norbury, Miss Norbury easily could have not. Yeah. Oh, it's because the bird book says that she's selling drugs to <laughs> That's students. right. Yes. Yeah. I'm a pusher, Caddy. Yeah. I push people. <laughs> she could have easily been like, no, you're not going to be on this team. But yeah. like, she saw the spark. She did. She did. Oh, also, also another great thing that Miss Norberry does when they're up there singing Jingle Bell Rock and they've, Lacey Chabert has kicked the, the boom box. box into the guy's face. She goes up there and accompanies them on a piano. Oh, that's very impressive. <laughs> Man. And, and she's only your number five? Sounds like more a number three to me. Okay. I'm just now reliving this whole film. It's probably been like ten odd years since I've yeah, seen this movie. Yeah, it's been a while. I like this movie a lot. Um, I can't speak for the musical. I, I've listened to it once. Did not care for the music, so haven't revisited but, you know, people who've seen it say it's fun. There you go. Maybe you need the spectacle to help you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe I just need Glen Coco to just help me out with everything. It's kind of like when I... <laughs> like, you can't just, like, listen to a movie. You might need to see, see it. Movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't fully judge musicals till I experience them. You know what also you don't get when you listen to a musical usually? The story. I mean... To be fair, Granted. Re- to be fair, let me rephrase that. In a bad musical, you don't get the story also. Because that musical should let their songs push the story forward. Um, and if they don't, you're, you're missing an element of your musical there, friend. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number five, which is now my number four, um, may be a tiny bit of recency bias. Not recency as in the film is new, but recency as into what is in my life. Um, but uh, my number four is uh, Miss Honey from Matilda. Um, she's an honorable mention. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen that film in such a long time, uh-huh. but she was the elementary school teacher that I like, like, I, I was going to do the thing that you do where you make categories, and then I uh-huh. quickly gave up on that because like... <laughs> Like, I didn't have any other elementary school people to go to. No, there you go. I had, you know, the other one was Jenny Slate from Gifted, and, like, oh, yeah. all like, all yeah. Jenny Slate does is she makes the child stand up and do multiplication problems in front of the class and then says, you'll die to my PG. You know who else does that? <laughs> Miss <laughs> Honey. <laughs> That's how we represent good elementary school teachers. <laughs> You make a child stand in front of everyone and throw problems at them. Oh, and then they're a genius when they know the answers. And they're embarrassed when they don't. Yep, well, those are the two options, apparently. Um, so, Miss Honey is... So, I recently rewatched Matilda when my nieces were in town, as well as I'm, I'm currently working on the musical version of it. Uh, but we'll stick strictly to the film. Um, Miss Honey, as a character, really... She made this list because... Unlike a lot of these other teachers, she gets to, in some ways, be defined by 
her own self and her own problems and she is typically portrayed especially in this film as kind of timid and kind of um shy but understands that her purpose as a teacher and this is what i really liked about her is she knows that her purpose as a teacher is to help the students in whatever way the students uh education needs help and so that that is her job to not only assess the student but assess the student's needs and find the way for that student student's needs to be met which is what teachers do and that's not very that's not seen very often and it's portrayed here because matilda is a kindergartner who it can you know do exceptional work for you know anybody not just a kindergartner uh she can she's reading at an insane level she's doing math at an insane level she eventually has mind powers so you know gotta get her some more education but what's also what i really like about miss honey is that she's she's put in front of this challenge of the wormwoods and the trunchbull who do not care about Matilda's education and so not only does she have to fight against like oh let's find the appropriate materials for the student but like I gotta fight against society saying no there's a place for you and you need to be in that place and it takes Miss Honey uh, her journey in order to out bust out of her shell and overcome her issues in order to stand up for Matilda as well. And so, yeah, just because of, like, it's, it, I like that we're mirroring a teacher's personal growth with their student's personal growth. Because that is something that happens each year. You learn and you grow and you become a different person. And so I like that that's represented here in Miss Honey. We're going to get there <laughs> with my version of that. <laughs> um, I, I don't have anything to add to Miss Honey. She's great. Yeah. But Derek. she was, like, my number five, just because, like, she was like, she's great, but, like, she, she got little problems herself. Yeah. Directed by Danny DeVito. <laughs> Directed by Danny DeVito. All right, everyone. Let's talk about a French film. That seemingly, I'm gonna get the award that it won, because it, quickly after it won this award, it fell into obscurity, and no one has heard of it since. No. But I'm here to bring it back. It received the Palme d'Or at the 2008 Cannes Film Festival. Man, that's the fancy one. That's the big award. That's a big thing. Yeah, that's a big deal, that's right? That's the big one. Have you ever heard of The Class? I have heard of The Class. Okay. I've not seen The Class. <laughs> Is this a film that we should be snorting in front of, Kylie? <laughs> I just, like, I don't know. Like, no one talks about it ever. This is what we're here for. This is why we have it a podcast. It was a big deal. Um, so Us like a walk among the clouds. <laughs> the class. Um, so the class is about a French literature teacher. Love it. On board. Over in France. And he's at a school that has a lot of um, students who come from less privileged backgrounds. Um, a lot of the times the children just label themselves as either good students or not good students and he comes into a classroom where the majority of the students label themselves as not good students and this is actually one of those inspirational teachers that films that doesn't waver too far on the side of sappy um he's a flawed teacher he's not like perfect however he is 
very motivated and very clearly cares about giving these students um, an education. Uh, one of the students who presents himself, who presents to be the most, um, the student who causes the most trouble in his classroom, uh, he finally is able to connect with because of, he sees that the student takes really strong pictures on his cell phone of his family and he encourage he encourages the student to use that within the classroom and he plays off of these students interests and their own lives so that they can apply it to their schoolwork and use it to be successful which is what a good teacher needs to do you need to take the backgrounds of the students and the interests of the students and integrate it within the material and to show them the value of education and how it's applicable to their own lives um and the, the he deals with a lot of um there's a lot of um race relationships within this classroom and he gives it a very even keel he he treats the students with respect which man isn't that it's a novel concept <laughs> um and overall i just think that this is a teacher um, who clearly shows his care for the students and does everything that he can. We actually never see the teacher outside of school, which can be kind of an issue with like, again, we were talking about defining teachers as well-rounded individuals. Right. Um, but I think that what it does do is it shows how the impact that a teacher can have on a classroom. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there are ways that films can, and I don't know if the class does, but I think there are ways that films can define a teacher as a person, even if we're not solely, if we were, even if we're only encountering them in the classroom. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, we're up to my number three. We technically switched, so I'm going first now. <laughs> we're going to have to get some crossover to get Kylie back to going first. Uh, it, but, shouldn't, it shouldn't be that hard. Well, you know. <laughs> You know, I, I took a calculated risk. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna see if it's gonna happen. Okay. All right. Um. So my number three. So I was like, okay, I had to think as I was thinking about these teachers. I was like, what's what's like? Uh, is there a is there a school that like lots of people know about with lots of teachers and lots of things? And I was You're like, be talking about sure Hogwarts. There is. Hogwarts. Okay. And here's the true story. Almost none of them are good teachers. Like, very few of them qualify as, like, ha, teachers. Because, okay, so what got me there... I think another issue with, like, teachers of Hogwarts uh -huh. is we're th seeing them through their relationship with Harry. Uh -huh. And Harry Potter is known to be a big deal. Uh-huh. And so, like, I mean, like, give me the... Give me the the Fantastic Beasts one, where they are stupid, where they're just regular people. Now <laughs> let me assess this McGonagall for myself. <sighs> don't even get me started. I don't think McGonagall should be there, but whatever. Um, I love McGonagall. I love her too. So, okay. But she's, 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 she's more of a headmistress, like, get to your rooms. <laughs> okay, so... Here's my deal. Uh, the, I kept seeing all these lists that I was looking at for doing my research. Snape? You kept seeing Snape, the worst teacher? Dumbledore and Snape kept popping up everywhere. And I was like, no, not good teachers. Not at all. No way, shape, or form are either of those good teachers. Dumbledore is a good mentor to Harry, 
But if you're looking at, like, him as a teacher, you could, of the many things that Dumbledore does wrong for Harry, one of them is, oh, this underage wizard is getting into this tournament where people die? No, no. Let him play. Let him play. No, no, Dumbledore. Don't let him play. <sighs> anyway, Dumbledore, Snape, not there. Most of the other teachers, not there. So I was down to two. I was down to two. I got two good teachers in all of Hogwarts. Lupin. Lupin and, and McGonagall. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, so we got there. We got Lupin and McGonagall. Because we do get to see, we see their classes. I have two, I have one real image of McGonagall as a teacher. And you know what she does? She goes off script and she starts talking about the Chamber of Secrets. Which in the books isn't even her. Um, no, there's also in one where she's the cat on the desk. Yeah. And then she's like, meow, I'm a human now. And it doesn't look like she's teaching the kids. <laughs> no, she's yelling at Harry and Ron for being late. But Bill, she turned one of you into a stopwatch. Or a compass? A compass. So at least one of you can be here on time. <laughs> oh, there's also that time where she yells at Mad-Eye Moody for making Draco into a, like, a ferret. You're also very specifically forgetting the time where she uh, teaches them how to dance. The dance class? Yeah, the dance class. Uh, my favorite McGonagall moment is the where she teaches the life lesson that we can disagree with someone, but we can still be on their side. And that's when Umbridge is kicking Trelawney out, and she's like, no, Sybil, I've got you. It's okay. Go back inside the castle while I deal with this horrid woman. But McGonagall is also that moment where she just is the greatest person of all time, and she defends the Hogwarts castle because she is there to party. Rule number one, party. <laughs> But Are we going to go see Downton Abbey? Uh, sure. I mean, I don't know anything about it. I got nothing. But I, that trailer does moments that make me think, like, this is really important. Uh, yeah, it does moments where I'm like, oh, Hugh Bonneville's here! And I know who Hugh Bonneville is now because of Paddington. Um, I, don't... I, saw, I saw two episodes of the series and thought it was boring. Yeah, but, like, someone's ulcer exploded. Yeah, so we'll <laughs> find out what happened there. Uh, McGonagall's let too much go down, though. Like, too much happens at the school on McGonagall's watch. Whoa, like what? Okay, so, um, everything? Everything that happens with Dumbledore is gone, um, under McGonagall's watch. Like, when? <laughs> when? He's gone for most of, of year five. <laughs> He's gone for a lot of year two. Listen, she's He's... doing her best to fight against yeah, the yeah. Ministry of Magic, yeah. but it's hard. Teachers don't have the, su the support, support they need. I'm yelling. <laughs> Teachers don't have the supports that they need, and so therefore we cannot just be like, man, we gotta go let the Ministry take over. She let the government officials take over. Okay, listen. McGonagall's great. She could be here, but I went with Lupin. Alright, because I've got more specifics as because to Lupin being a good teacher. We see more of him in the classroom. Because he takes the children of his friends, <laughs> two of which are dead and two of which are at a hospital for the rest of their lives, and he builds courage in yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good. <laughs> you just make my points. <laughs> um, I mean, I really would have... Like... He has some interactions with, like, you know, the Ron and the 
the Hermione, but, like, really he's focused on making Neville feel more important, the child of his friends, and making Harry feel more important, the child of his friends. You know, he's a really even-keeled teacher. (laughs) Yeah, he's got two kids he cares for in the whole school. Um, (laughs) No, he cares for all of his students, and I think that is seen and that is known through the lesson of the boggart and and how that's done there because he takes care of each one of those students to say that you're going to see a fear and you need to think of something that is um happy and something that will make you kind of laugh and be silly about that um i also just think in the way that he um he understands that his students are people also and i think that's a really important thing to note he doesn't look down on them as like in the way that, like, a Snape does. Isn't like, you will learn because I am in charge and blah, blah, blah. He sees them as peers and as equals and that he happens to know this information and he wants to impart it upon them. Um, and he does take the time to make his students feel like they are individual and unique and important. And that's something that I think not all teachers do and that's what I like about Lupin in particular and in terms of seeing Lupin outside of the classroom we also know that he's a very flawed individual because as we get later in the series he becomes more and more desperate to be a part of the team that is taken down Lord Voldemort and stuff like that and he makes some poor choices there as well but we do know he's emotional we do know he's passionate and so yeah I put Lupin on there as number three he's an honorable mention but I don't put him on my list because I, I, like, Lupin's my favorite Harry Potter character, but I do think the majority of his, like, greatness as a character is shown in the context of Harry, and not so much with the rest of the students. Fair enough. Yeah, And that was one of the, that was one of the... (laughs) Get out of here. (laughs) Yeah. Also... Lupin is also my favorite Harry Potter character. Yeah, well, because he's... He's the best. The best? Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to fill out my Harry Potter pops because I think that they finally have slowed down making new ones. And so I'm like, now's the time that I need to act. Is there like four or five Harrys and Rollins and Hermione's? Well, I'm going to get one. Okay. (laughs) I might get, uh, like there's one with like Harry and the Quidditch and I'm like, oh, I like that. But I don't need like Harry in his like sweatsuit from the third one or whatever. Fair enough. I don't need Harry in the shirt that he wears in every film. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, But right now, so I got the main three. I got Lupin, I got Dumbledore, I got Luna. Uh Uh-huh. And I still want Neville. My Harry Potter pop collection is strange because the, it's, it's gifts. Like, they've all been given to me as gifts. Serious Black. So I've got, no, um, I've got a large... Hagrid. Hagrid. I've got nearly headless Nick. I've got uh, a Niffler. And I've got um, Gilderoy Lockhart. Okay, so I still want <laughs> Neville, Serious Black... Ginny, Fred George, McGonagall, I guess Snape. I, I, you know, if I didn't... Wait, at one point we need to just have a whole a Snape podcast. Where I just bring in all my pops? You're right, we need to have that. Yeah. I'll bring in all my movie pops and all my other non-movie pops and we'll just, we'll just talk about them all, okay? So anyways, uh, my number three. Yeah. <laughs> Him. My number three is a, is a little lady. 
whose name I don't know. <laughs> I just wrote the film. I'm gonna get her name. Okay, while you're looking this up, did you find that a lot of the teachers that you were finding that happened to be ladies were Mrs.? Like, they were very specifically, like, teachers in films that are, are they're not married. They're Ms. this or Ms. that. There are very few Mrs. up in the world. And I was like, why? What's that weird trend, Hollywood? Anyway, this is a thing that I saw. Cheers. Okay. So, now here's where the word teacher could be conflicted with the word coach. Oh, okay, great. Hey, listen, well, I got one of those coming up too. And so I'm going to make an argument that she is a teacher and not a coach. But um, it's a, it's a little film by the name of uh, Billy Elliot. <laughs> and I got a little lady named Sandra Wilkinson. <laughs> okay, great. Is she related to Tom Wilkinson? No. Oh, okay. No, it's Julie Waters. Walters. Oh, okay. Her character's name is Sandra Wilkinson. Oh, okay. She's great. Miss Wilkinson is the best. <laughs> because she doesn't care that Billy Elliot is a boy. She cares that he is not wearing the proper shoes in her class. Yep. <laughs> and he is not dressing properly. And she is there to encourage him to follow his passions whether it's boxing or it's dancing and it ends up being dancing so she gives him every resource that he needs to become successful because she truly believes in him in this world where billy elliott does not have the support of his family for dancing it's miss wilkinson who provides that support and that help to get through <laughs> to practice and she encourages him to go try out for the royal ballet school is it funny it's. I think it's a. It's like somewhat lighthearted, but like <laughs> it takes place in the middle of like the coal riot. Yeah, but I mean, the reviews said it's 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 funny. Uh-huh. His mom, his grandma's got Alzheimer's. Uh, set up for a laugh riot there. Nice. I'm glad. I'm glad that she cares about his shoes and that him okay. as a person and not that he's a him. Yeah, and whenever Billy Elliot's like, I can't do it, miss! She's always like, oh, wait, A, shut up. B, <laughs> 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 B with that attitude, you're not gonna get it. She's, you know, just think, close your eyes, everyone, and think about for a moment Molly Weasley. Okay, okay. And now <laughs> think about if Harry wanted to be a ballet dancer. <laughs> Okay, can, can it be Ron? Can Ron want to be the ballet dancer? No, because that's... Because, like... She can be, like, meaner to Ron because, like, okay. she's the son. Okay. Like, she threatens to, like, walk her children. Okay. <laughs> Seamus Finnegan wants to be a ballet dancer. Harry wants to be a ballet dancer. <laughs> they bring in Mrs. Weasley to okay. teach the Yule Ball. Okay, so imagine that Mrs. Weasley encounters Jamie Bell who wants to be a ballet dancer. Seems like a movie. <laughs> Does she, like, follow Jamie Bell around, so, like, in Rocket Man when he's like, goodbye, yellow brick road, and she's like, no, shut up, go back, that'd be a good friend. Go, go back. No. Okay, okay. No, Josh, because they're not the same movies. What? Yeah. Oh, but we can imagine Mrs. Weasley. <laughs> uh, same character. <laughs> Miss Weasley might have a little nicer touch to her. You're, you're, you are saying that Bernie Toppin <laughs> and Billy Elliot are not the same person? I'm saying... Yeah, I Are saw you it. saying that Jamie Bell has more range than Julie Walters? 
<laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Julie Walters has been a teacher. She has a, a dancer, dance instructor. She has been a, a, mom. a mom. She has been a wacky best friend. A mom. Uh, oh, a nanny to a cuddly bear. You know, you don't mess with her range. She's a chameleon. Yep. So, um, I, I just, I like that Sandra Wilkinson in the middle of all of this nonsense that's happened. I mean, like the riots and stuff wasn't happening. It wasn't nonsense. The nonsense of like saying that boys can't dance or shouldn't be allowed to dance and that they can only box. She's the only one with that even that's like, no, everyone shut up. I'm right. I'm the best. I'm cool. And she encourages Billy to stand up to his father. She herself never has that moment where she goes down and she's like, you need to appreciate your son. Because like easily that, that could have been the thing. But instead of her doing that for Billy, she encourages him and provides him the tools to make him successful to do that to it. Not to his father, with his father. And mm, does it work? Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you need to watch Billy Elliot to find I out, do kids. You watch Billy Elliot. I don't remember that movie very much at all. It's the best movie ever. It's not in your top five. It's in my top ten, though. Well. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Josh. I'm sorry that I have something called It's Such a Beautiful Day up there. <laughs> I'm just careful how you're throwing around the words best movie ever, okay? Okay, it's the best Jamie Bell, Julie Walters, Billy Elliot dance film ever. Fair, thank you. <laughs> Goodness, I just want to be clear. Alright, we're going to stick uh, stick a little bit to the uh, non-traditional definitions of a teacher here for a second. Um, does Julie Walters teach at like a dance academy? It's like a rec center. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this works out well. It's it's a dance class that you have to, like, go and, like, pay. I don't remember how Billy Elliot affords it. I think he does, like, chores for her. Yeah. And she calls it even. Yeah. Well, I've done that. <laughs> um, you will detail my car. Well. And you can come to my acting class. Well. You know, listen, sometimes you take inspirations from characters on your lists. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, hey, my number two is Mr. Miyagi. Um, Kylie doesn't seem okay with this yet. Um, <laughs> Kylie, what is wrong with Mr. Miyagi being on my list? What? What? What is wrong with the, the Karate Kid? Singular one, the first Karate Kid and Mr. Miyagi. What you got? What, what, what's your issues over there? I don't know. He's just like, oh, Josh. Batman. It sounded like you just said Batman. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to talk first while you think about your issues with my pick being <gasps> on here? <laughs> I consider Miyagi more of a coach, but it's okay, Josh. I mean, continue down your road. The only difference in my brain between, like, a dance instructor mm -hmm. and a karate sensei is that we categorize one as a sport, mm -hmm. we categorize one as an art. Mm -hmm. They're both athletic endeavors that take physical discipline and many years of training and an understanding of the culture that you're in in order to be successful in them. Mm -hmm. 
So the only societal difference between a instructor-teacher and coach is the societal definition of the word sport versus art. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Perfect. I can major in dance. I can't major in karate. <laughs> uh, you can, just not in a college. <laughs> I gotta go to a dojo. Yeah, exactly. I gotta go to the art of self-defense. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so Mr. Miyagi is on I'm my list. I'm not a wispy whisperer, so um, I can't be a thorn of self-defense. <laughs> the only women around are wispy whisperers. Fair enough. Uh, the reason why I considered him to be a teacher and considered him to be on this list is because Miyagi isn't so much interested in teaching karate or teaching martial arts and as like the discipline of like fighting, per se, or as the discipline of even that. He's interested in teaching... Uh, Danny, how to wax his car. Yeah, how to wax his car. And to how get to, free labor. How to be a better human is basically what he's te- he's trying to teach him how to do. And he's doing that through his the way that he knows how. And he knows how to do that through martial arts. Um, and yes, we get this long sequence of him painting fences and sanding floors and waxing cars. Um, but at the end of the day, as he says to... As he shows to Daniel... There is a reason that they're doing those things. And there is a reason why we have, like, so teachers will have, like, this exercise leads to this exercise leads to this exercise. And the students may not always understand the path that they're on, but they're going to get there in the end. Now, I will fully say that, like, hey, Miyagi, maybe you should be like, listen, I know this just seems like hard labor, but we're actually teaching you some movement here. And, like, we're actually doing some things. We shouldn't, like, just trick our students and... But I think if I had to guess what he's trying to do is he's trying to, in a very short period of time, because he doesn't have a long period of time, build trust with with Danny and with Daniel. Um, muscle memory also. Yes. Well, no, no. Yes, it is the muscle memory. But I'm saying that, like, maybe his reasoning as to why he doesn't, like, say up front, like, hey, you're going to paint this fence so you can build muscle memory to learn moves is because they don't have a lot of time to build a relationship. They kind of have to get it done pretty quick. And so he's like, you have to trust that the things that I'm teaching you will help you in the end. Um, and so I like that the way that, and this is a more one-on-one kind of like mentor, teacher, student relationship. It's not attached to a school. It's not even attached to a dojo really, but there are different people in your lives who come into your life and can be a teacher to you if they take that time, energy, and effort to, to teach you things and to work with you on how you interact with people and what your respect for the world should be and how you see things and stuff like that. And so there are different ways that a person can be a teacher. And so I put Mr. Miyagi on this list. Yeah. Hey, here's, here's my issue. Okay, what you got? Here's my real issue. So, Danny sees him doing the, the crane kick, uh-huh. and he's like, whoa, that's cool. And then Miyagi sees Danny trying to do the crane quick, <laughs> crane kick, and he's like, eh, he'll figure it out on his own. Well, <laughs> okay. The, I, I'm going to go back to a dance analogy. Okay. So, in the sense of, if you see somebody trying to do a dance move that's too advanced for them, mm-hmm. you're not going to necessarily take the time at that moment to teach them how to do the most advanced thing on, 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 the, on, the, on, on the learning plan. You might go back and try to do the, the basics again, and be like, you gotta master these before you can do this one. Uh, so I'm not necessarily... Hard. Dude, the crane kick looks stupid hard. What are you talking about? I mean, Mr. Miyagi should have been like, don't do the crane kick, boy. Well, you gotta give him goals. Like, here, here, go work for it. Yeah, go, go try. But he doesn't do that either. No. <laughs> 
Miyagi's, uh... He's just this, like... Ugh. He's an enigma. That's okay? not my job to teach him that. <laughs> yeah, he's teaching him other things. Life lessons. <laughs> there are more than one scene there, Kylie. There's a scene about where we learn to respect others and that karate is not about just fighting. It is an art form in itself. There's a scene about how we learn to listen to people and how we learn to respect other people's journeys in the world. There's a lot of things going on in the Karate Kid. It's not just one little scene. I also really like when he's like, catch, when Danny catches the fly yeah. and then Miyagi's just pissed. <laughs> he's like, I've been trying to do this for years and then this punk just comes and does it. Yeah, but then Maybe he... that's why he doesn't teach him the crane kick. Yeah. Revenge. <laughs> yeah, but then he gives him a car, so all's good. <laughs> also, Daniel's excuse for why he has to leave that night is he's gotta go. He's gotta go like to like his mom's gonna have celebrate his birthday with him, and then he goes and shuffs off with Elizabeth's shoe. <sighs> oh, Daniel. Don't. Yeah, he's a kid. Yeah, he is. Pretty good kid. He is. He really is. Like, in the, one of the opening scenes before the teachings of Miyagi, he's like, Ma, let me help you with the groceries, Ma. <laughs> Ma, no. let me help you out. boop a da boo No, and that's a good thing, too, because we're not starting from, like, scratch with this kid. We're not trying to teach Johnny these lessons, okay? Well, okay. All well, right. I have a lot of empathy for Johnny Lur Not Johnny so <laughs> I don't know Johnny's last name. Johnny Cobra Kai. But, uh, like... Even in that film, like, before watching Cobra Kai, because I actually lose empathy for him, but in that film, I have so much empathy for Johnny, and I think that I don't, like, justify his actions. I mean, I agree with you. That's what makes that film, that's what makes Karate Kid really <sighs> work a lot, is that Johnny is an empathetic character. He's the real victim. The real victim is the kid who gets second for Cobra Kai, <laughs> who's like, because you can beat him, and he's like, go kick his leg. He gets disqualified. Um... Yeah. But, like, <laughs> but Danny is dealing. Daniel is dealing with his anger issues, and that's what he needs help with. So, yeah. wow, maybe that's the film about toxic masculinity that we should be talking about. It's really good. It really is. Like, and I'm so sad that so many people are just like karate from it. And I'm like, no. Man, apparently when I was a kid, I was into martial arts films a little bit, and I don't know what happened to me now, but I'm not into them as much, but I like them still. Um, got any honorable mentions over there? Um, you know, I like Mr. Hand from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I don't think, I don't remember okay. him a lot, but okay. I just remember him, like, kicking Spicoli out of his classroom because he's interfering with the education of others and he did the right thing. Okay, so like, I saw Mr. Hand a lot and I didn't put him on my list because I remember him just being a jerk. And I maybe I need to rewatch Fast Times, mm -hmm. but like, I feel like he was doing the right thing in a really wrong way. Well, I think, yeah, because we're coming in from the perspective of Spicoli. Yes, and we okay. probably shouldn't. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I have Miss McKay from D2, The Mighty Ducks. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, I have Lupin. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Joe Louise Clark from Lean On Me, but I, you know, he doesn't do everything at 100, so uh -huh. I, I couldn't put no, him there. No. Um, a lot of people were putting, I don't remember the name of the movie, but it's Sidney Poitier. Oh, he's an honorable mention. So, uh, Sidney Poitier from To Sir With Love. To Sir With Love. Um, I didn't put that on my list because I think, I'm pretty sure he, like, 
boxes one of his students to earn their respect. That's why he's only an honorable mention for me. <laughs> um, I mean, yes. like, um, Lean on Me, which is um, Morgan Freeman. Like, he also isn't at a hundred, yeah. <laughs> but, like, he, like, walks up to school. To well, so, like, Sidney Poitier in that movie is not a not a teacher by any means. He wants, he, like, an engineering job Yeah, but, like, that job isn't available for a year, so he takes this job at this school, and so he basically, like, his opening speech is like... Wait, why am I doing honorable mentions? Because we're coming up. One... Two... I've only done three. Oh. Okay, well, great. Hang on. Do your two. <laughs> Sorry, I, we started with you, and then I forgot that I got ahead. I'm done. Well, what's your two? Do you want to finish your own missions and do two? I was like, crap, I still have two more people to talk to. And then I was like, wow, how did I, like, leave both of these people off? All right, go for it. So, Sorry. Mr. Hand from... <laughs> um... <laughs> I was, you know, let's... Let's... I mean, let's talk about a film that no one's heard about from good old Britain. Okay. This one's called Handsome Devil. Oh. Oh, Handsome Devil indeed. Oh. Who's the Handsome Devil? Uh, one of the students. Oh. <laughs> Sad. Um, I want to get his name, and I don't want to just call him... Handsome Devil? No. <laughs> I need the teacher's name. Oh, okay. He's Moriarty from Sherlock. The new Sherlock? Yes. Andrew. Lloyd Webber. Scott. I was close. I should have just gone with my instincts. Okay, so Handsome Devil is an all, uh, takes place at an all-boys private school, and it's focused on two roommates, um, both of whom are gay, but they don't have a romantic relationship between, a, between them. But at this school, where rugby is a big deal, it really is centered on a lot of homophobia. Mm -hmm. And so one of the students is out and one of them is is still um, uncomfortable expressing their sexuality. And what Andrew Scott's character does, which you, you eventually learn along the ways, is that he is also um, a gay man when one of his students finds him at a gay bar. And why I chose Andrew Scott's character from this is that it shows the three students who are going, or not three students, three people, three men who are going through similar issues and they learn from each other. Mm -hmm. Andrew Scott is closeted from the rest of the school because he doesn't want that on him. Mm -hmm. But when his students come to him asking for advice, he's always very, um, he's very, <sighs> what's the word? supportive and constantly tells them it gets better and it might not seem like it's gotten better for me because I'm still hiding this but it will get better um, there's a scene where one of the students plagiarizes a song for his for like a poem I think and Andrew Scott makes him read it in front of the class and he says don't and he plays the song with him as he's reading it. and he says do not ever steal someone else's voice it's your voice and you need to express it which is actually like it's like an underlining theme because he knows that the two boys are fitting into the stereotypes of high school mm -hmm. and he wants them to realize that they don't have to just play those stereotypes that have been put on them, but they are allowed to be full rounded individuals. Um, and it's just, it's very strong. Like you brought up with Miss Honey to see how uh, this teacher 
which a lot of other teachers don't always learn from their students, mm -hmm. but how he changes and how he learns yeah. from these students' experiences and how that's important to his character growth. Because it would it's very easy to just make this film about these two students, but this teacher is also a pretty relevant character who has an arc and a journey and a purpose and yep. you're like yeah andrew scott <laughs> not playing moriarty <laughs> we can do other things awesome that sounds like a good film yeah you should watch it i will yeah josh it's great i gosh <sighs> all right um my honorable mentions because i'm up to my number one now I think you'd really like this film. I probably would. Maybe Handsome should... Devil. It's on the Hufflepuffs list. Hufflepuffs list. Oh, oh. I guess. I guess you're. I guess you aren't a good finder. <laughs> <laughs> what is this list? It's the Hufflepuff list. <laughs> Josh, I don't understand. It's films for Hufflepuffs. <laughs> Yesterday should not be on this list. Well. Okay, however, gold number? What? Is it because it's yellow? I don't know. No, because there are non-yellow things on here. I, mean, <laughs> I, I can't speak. For the most part, I like <laughs> most of these movies. Exactly! Hufflepuff! We're exceptionally good finders! Austin Powers is on a lot of us. Is he a Hufflepuff? I, no, Austin Powers is not. Which Star Trek is that for? What would he be? <laughs> Where do you put... <laughs> I'm sorry. Muggle. Austin... <laughs> He's either a. I'm assuming. Okay, he's probably a Gryffindor. That's where he is. Wait, what? You were asking if there was a. Yeah, which Star Trek is that? That's Search Star for Trek. Spock. No, it's the Voyage Home. Oh, okay. Well, hearts beat loud. Moonlight. I need the My qualification. The Descendants is on here. Yeah, main character's awful puff. What? Films that could be considered Hufflepuff films due to their characters, narrative, or most likely both. <laughs> suggestions. Yeah, Hufflepuffs. Okay, but uh, is there? But like. Puff and proud. Okay, sure. <laughs> Wait, who's the Hufflepuff in Grand Budapest? Got my guy, Tony Ravioli. Tony Ravioli? Yes. Yeah, he's, okay. a, he's definitely a Hufflepuff. Okay, okay, fair. I thought they were saying that uh, no! Ray Fiennes was the Hufflepuff, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Fiennes is. I... Name a Ray Fiennes film where he isn't a Slytherin. Um, the Lego Batman movie. Oh, you're right. <laughs> he's a Hufflepuff there. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Alfred is a Alfred is a Gryffindor. No, he's about loyalty to Batman and supporting oh, okay. his friends right. and family and being just and being right and being fair. Oh yeah, I think classic <laughs> Alfred is that contemporary <laughs> Alfred where they're like I'm a I'm a I'm a brave guy. I've been in the war and I've done my brave things and I'm a bravery. Yeah, loyalty to the country. Awful <laughs> top to, to crown. <laughs> to king and crown. All right. Um, jo I, Josh, there's a there's a handful of these that are definitely true. You let's watch them all. Let's okay, just, great. We'll do the we'll do the whole. How list. come there's no Fantastic Beast movies on there? He's literally a Hufflepuff. I don't think they include Harry Potter. All right, fair in enough. This. If they've made that distinction, then fair enough. They they haven't. I'm putting. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm making that assumption. All right. Um, my honorable mentions are, um, I've got Miss McKay from D2 The Mighty Ducks, Mark Thackeray from To Sir With Love, Dr. Sean McGuire from Goodwill Hunting, Mr. Chips from Goodbye Mr. Chips, uh, Mr. Anderson from Perks Being a Wallflower, Mr. Newman from What Hot American Summer, and Luann Miss uh, Miss Johnson, Miss Luann Johnson from Dangerous Minds. I love someone off Michelle Pfeiffer. I love someone off of my list, but I don't. We'll see what happens. I also left someone off my list, so we'll see if we talk about them. All right. Well, I uh, my number one is is my number one is Jaime Escalante from Stand and Deliver. Crossover. That is also my number one. How we both <laughs> just were like, by John Keating. Okay, so fine. Uh, I was going to talk about this when I talked about Handsome Devil and I forgot to. Okay. So, <laughs> so Andrew Scott's character starts out seeming very much he's going to be the John Keating character. Uh-huh. That very traditional inspirational teacher. But he changes throughout the film where I feel like John Keating is very... Where John Keating doesn't change as much... Yeah. throughout the film and he's much more of like a constant figure for these boys life and I, I I think that's true about John Keating is that by the end he's reinforced by his teachings mm-hmm. um, and I can talk about John Keating as well because I think he deserves a place on this list I also as well. think we talk about, I feel like I talk about that film too much do we I Josh I'm always like you is know it, what <laughs> is it in the penalty box <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, wait, let's do this. Let's do this. We'll talk about John Keating. We'll say that this is a John Keating memorial list. Great. We'll put him in the penalty box. Also, like, the other thing about John Keating is that, like, English teachers always show Dead Poets Society in high school. Yeah, because it's who they want to be, okay? (laughs) And and I take that, take a a little umbrage. Okay, uh, I rewatched Dead Poet Society for this list because it'd been a while since I'd seen it. And John Keating is, to me, Robin Williams and the character of John Keating is head and shoulders above the rest of that movie. Um, he really rises to every occasion. I like the how they structure his lesson plans. We get to spend a lot of time with him in the classroom. Um, they, that he's making the lessons actualized and physical for his students. He is tying it to their life. I like that he says to the one, the short-haired kid who is clearly not into poetry at all, he's like, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be about anything complex, but it does have to have you in there. It does have to have your voice in there. And, like, that is one of the things that I appreciate about him is he's he's speaking individually for each of the students. Now, one of the things that I take issues with 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 this character, or with this film, not so much the character, is is how his teachings are used in the film. So I think, I can't remember which character you talked about specifically. I think it was Julie Walters in Billy Elliot, where, like, she was giving Billy the tools to to succeed to talk to his dad, but she wasn't doing it for for him. John Keating also does that. He gives the uh, Robert Sean Patrick, man, I think that's the Robert Sean Leonard. Robert Sean Leonard character... Um, the tools to go talk to his dad. He tells him that he should do it and that it's what it needs to do. He gives him all the right advice. And it doesn't work and out And it for doesn't any of us. work out. And it works out in the most melodramatic and off-putting way possible. Not saying that that's not an emotional arc that work doesn't work that works for some people. For me, it just felt like man, because he's in a play and because like like 
I guess I don't mean to belittle the field that I am in. So not trying to do that or belittle this character's feelings. But the film itself did not do enough for me to be like, because you can't be in this play, you don't want to be in this world. Like that, would, there was not enough connection to me there. Like it didn't seem like the art had made that impact on him or that what he was being taken away from him like, dude, okay, you have to be a doctor and make a million dollars. Go do community theater in your off time, friend. Like, it's okay, I promise. Um, but anyway, that is kind of some of my issues with that movie aside. Um, I don't think that the storyline is bad mm -hmm. or wrong or inappropriate even. I think that it's portrayed really melodramatically and it's not set up and earned. And that's in the script and the directing's fault. So to double back to John Keating, I like, and what I like about him is he talks about using his or your own voice, and he talks about how to uh, do that no matter where you are and what you are in your life. And his relationship specifically with the Ethan Hawke character is something that I think is really interesting and unique because he's not, a he's asking this character, who Ethan Hawke's character is mostly a silent character. It's mostly a silent performance. Um, ah, yes. Um, but he doesn't ask him to not be silent. He just asks him to make when he speaks matter. And that I appreciate. He lets the student be who they are, and he does it in this way. And he shows a lot of new teaching techniques for the time, um, and, and ways that, like, we still could do. We, you know, like, it's tear out the front pages of your book. It's not about what this. It's about what's in here, you know? Or, you know, use your voice. Use your volume. Don't conform to other things. There's lots of lessons that are still relevant in there. So I like John Keating, and maybe I'll be the one who talks about him. But, like, him and my actual number one of Jaime Escalante felt really similar. And so, um, I, the, I, there is a reason I picked Jaime Escalante over John Keating, um, but I figure we can either transition away from Keating or I'll let you talk about Jaime first. Well, I think that that's a really good, uh, I think that what you said about how his teachings turn out to be a negative, that, like, the student who... And I would say that Robert Sean Leonard's character is the one that takes his teaching the most and puts yes. himself the most out there, and then yeah. it's put as, like, a very negative thing. Yeah. Um, and my, maybe it's also, like, a condemnment of, like, the private school system. And Which like, I think is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, but I think that something about Jaime Escalante that I appreciate is that we get to see the two schools that these two teachers are working at are very different. Yes. At one of them, at the private school that John Keating's working at, he's working with student. he's trying to deconstruct students' idea of what it means to be a good member of society as, like, the prim and proper and to teach them how to live in the world. Mm -hmm. Whereas Jaime Escalante's character... Um, a lot of those kids come from a harder background mm -hmm. and he's trying to push them and make them succeed in a way that no one else has held them yeah. to that accountability. And I think that just that challenge and just that difference of approach and what they're focused on overcoming mm -hmm. is one of the reasons why I focus on Jaime Escalante and Jaime Escalante doesn't connect to every student in his classroom. There is one student who is the friend of um, Phil, Di Phil Diamond... Uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. 
Phil, you, were there, you were there. Phil and Diamond Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Um, who ends up dropping out of the class, possibly dropping out of high school. It's never made clear. So it shows that, you know, this teacher wasn't able to connect to every student, but that doesn't show him giving up on everyone mm-hmm. else and still giving them all the tools and working hard and pushing these students not to just come out of their shells but to rise to a level of excellence that they have not been asked of and i think that in a lot of cases working at schools that come from areas that are lower socioeconomic students might not always be asked to may not always be held accountable to the same Mm -hmm. standards and that is what jaime escalante changes for them is that he says i understand your background but that doesn't mean that i'm just going to lower the bar for you i'm going to help you reach the higher bar good teachers have expectations and have high expectations for their students Mm -hmm. and uh he does that he doesn't care that his students are from inner city los angeles you know as opposed to the private school in the upper northeast you know like that's where he's going to teach and that's who he's there for and there's a line in stand and deliver where i think it's one of the administrators says these kids can't read how can they do advanced trigonometry or whatever specific math that they're trying to do um and i just think it represents really well that he's like you are discounting these children you're discounting these students because they can't do this one thing and I'm telling you that if you work with them and you connect with them and you get them excited about what they're doing, that they can learn and they will learn. Somebody had to come in and have faith in these students. And that's what I also like about Jaime uh, Escalante. And Edward James Olsmos, who plays the role, um, I think just he's he endows it with this like... Like, if there's a teacher that, like, I want to be like, it's that. Because like, he's clearly friendly with his students. He's clearly, like, on the same level with them. But it's clear he's in charge. He gets respect. And, like, when time comes, like, this is the person who's running the classroom. Mm-hmm. Whereas Keating, I think he's got that in some ways. And even some of the other teachers that we've talked about, like, but that line blurs a little bit there. When you're like, are we a friend? Are we a teacher? And it never blurs with Edward James Olmos and Jaime Escalante. Jaime Escalante, I think, is also the only... I mean, on my list for certain... Uh, maybe not. I think he's the only actual teacher. Like, the based on a true story teacher on the list as well. Um, um, my 2008 Palm d'Or winner is a semi-autobiographical something. And I know that um, Miss Norbury in Mean Girls is a composite of several teachers because it's based on... Queen Bees, something in Queen Bees, which I think is, like, true tales of high school in some ways. So, um, but, like, in terms of just, like, true actual, this is a person whose life story we're telling, that's another reason why I like this portrayal in film is because we get to see his life story. Um, Also, I remember watching this film in school a lot. Like, (laughs) Family Deliver was shown all the time mm-hmm. um and it weirdly enough we're I, at the end of the school year we don't have enough material to make it let's put on stand and deliver edward james Olsen will save us um <laughs> dead poet society is for the english classes yeah. and stand and deliver is for the math and or spanish spanish language. classes yeah um I really Edward James Oldmost is an actor who I really like and respect because not only through this film, but then we did. I took an uh, ethnic drama class in college. Taught and, by him? No, no <laughs> man, I wish. 
Oh, but he was involved in several of the projects that we did in our um, Mexican theater. And you needed uh, to deliver a monologue, and he told you to stand and deliver it. I did. It was so good. Um, But no. But yeah, no, I watched this film all the time in high school, and it was one of those things where I kept watching it, and I was like, man, if he was my math teacher, I might like math. Well... (laughs) And what I like is that he realizes, you know, the, the kids don't know fractions at that point, and he spends time teaching them fractions because it's important. Like, fractions are the worst. Yeah. I hate teaching fractions, but I do it because I know how important it, it is in the future to be able to manipulate them. Uh, yeah. And he takes the time to do that, and... It's about assessing the students' needs. Mm-hmm. I like how I'm like, no, the good teacher is a good teacher, whether you're in film or not. Like, <laughs> and like the fact that he's able to encourage these kids to give up their summer and sit in a hot classroom, learning to prepare to be able to take a calculus. To yeah. first, he fights for them to have a calculus class, and then he he's able to convince them that this is how they should spend their summer. Yeah. Oh. You're a hero. Let's just go watch Stand and Deliver right now. Every episode should just be Stand and Deliver. <laughs> it's down there now. It has to be. Because that's what drama, drama is, yeah. Do we need to make a teaching category? No. Okay. <laughs> They're going to have like... Like two films. Stand and Deliver. The Karate Kid. <laughs> Matilda. Oh, that's a sports film. Oh, it is, yeah. Fair enough, yeah. Um, all right. Nope, Matilda's a family film. Yeah, it is. Oh. <laughs> Just Stand and Deliver. Yeah. I, you know, Stand and Deliver also has him as the main character. Yes. Um, where in Dead Poets Society, it's Ethan Hawke and Robert Sean Leonard. Yeah. Who are, like, like, John Keating's a, is a very big presence in that movie, but, like, there are times where it just feels in and out with John Keating. And I had forgotten that he wasn't the lead of that movie. Like, so when I went to watch it, I was like, oh, because Robin Williams is the first build person as well, which makes sense for where the, everyone yeah, is in the Yeah, Ethan Hawke hasn't done White Fang yet, so, yeah. like... Thank you. <laughs> um, I really like Ethan Hawke in Dead Poet Society, FYI. I think he's really solid. Yeah, because he's not playing his stereotypical young Ethan Hawke role. <laughs> You're not wrong. Also, that, um, that there's that shot after Neil, who's the the character who... Um, Robert Sean Leonard. Robert Sean Leonard's character, thank you. Uh, and there's just... It's just no worries, snowy... I know my house character, yeah, my house thank actors. You. Thank you. It's just snowy and all of them are dealing with it and like there's just these gorgeous, gorgeous shots of um, him reacting to and feeling his emotions in this giant field and you're like, oh, like the movie shot really well too. I... Peter Weir, good director? Peter Weir, good director, sure. <laughs> Peter Weir over-directs Dead Poet Society. Like, he's like, I'm a good director! Yeah! Let me use some slow motion, and let me, like, really get into this. And I was like, okay, buddy, like... I've seen a lot of Peter Weir movies in high school. Yeah. I had a teacher that showed a lot of his films, and who showed a lot of Hitchcock. And I was always like... Miss, do you just want to teach a film class? Uh, Peter Weir, who's also got... Okay, so there's Truman, a Truman Show and Master and Commander. Mm-hmm. The, sorry, Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World. So sorry. Um, Witness? Mm-hmm. 
Oh. Is that the one? That's the that's the Harrison Ford. Harrison Omnish, Ford Oscar nomination. Amish one. film. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what I got for Peter Weir. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jaime Escalante is the best. Hashtag. Goat. Hashtag. What's up? You're giving a strange look. Yep. Do you know how many Oscar nominations Peter Weir has? Eight. Six! Oh, I was so close. You were! For, like, director or writer or both? Four of them are for directing. Okay. One of them is for writing, okay. and one of them is for producing. Okay, let me try. Sorry, five of them are for directing. Okay, let me try. Wait, no, sorry. I did that wrong. Do you know how to one, count? Two, three, sorry, four, one, one. Do you... <laughs> no, I don't. I didn't have Jaime Escalante teach Jaime's me. Jaime's coming. <laughs> He's going to help you out. I really want him to. All right, you want to you play this game? You want to sure. see if you can guess this the... This will be our Planet, Hol Planet Hollywood game. Okay, perfect. For directing. How many? Five? Four. Four. Four, four okay. for directing, one for writing... Uh, one for producing. What? <laughs> what is not one of them? What? Witness. Witness directing. Dead Poet Society. Directing. Truman Show. Directing. Mastering Commander. Directing and? Producing. Yeah, best picture. Now I just need his writing? Yeah, and it's one that, uh, ooh, okay. <laughs> it's not one it's I've It's not named. one you've mentioned. All right, it's a 1990 film. Uh-huh. Uh, starring... Man, that looks like Andy McDowell. <laughs> uh, Gerard Depardieu and Andy McDowell. Uh huh. My dad, the hero. <laughs> <laughs> you want? You want a? Uh, it's it's only nomination is Peter Weir for its script. Okay. That's it. Do you want the uh, the the tagline? Sure. A man wanting to stay in the U.S. enters into a marriage of convenience. Battery's not included. It's called Green Card. Oh, I would have never gotten that. <laughs> yep, there we go. That's that's the career, the Oscar-nominated career of Peter Weir. Uh, the films that we haven't yet mentioned that he's directed... Oh, man, he has a lot. Okay, I'm not going to go through this whole list. He has a lot of movies, actually. He's been directing since 68? 71 was his first, like, feature-length in a theater film. All the way through 2010. Alright. Well, everyone. We did it. We talked about the teachers. Um, what, what are we doing next week? Uh, Goldfinch. Okay. I have a question for you on Goldfinch. Uh-huh. What if it doesn't open? <laughs> what if it doesn't open? Uh, I think it will. I think it's a, a nationwide release. Okay. Um, yeah. Yes, it is. I have a podcast uh -huh. that is like was doing like a summer reread series, and they did an episode on the Goldfinch uh -huh. where they talk about it and they talk about it in terms of like how it could make a good movie and things along those lines. Uh -huh. I've not read the book. Do you think it would hurt my experience to listen to them talk about the book? Is it one of those like? Gotta have some mystery in there. I, I wouldn't listen to the book. Okay. I wouldn't. Fa I, I in fact would not seek out any other trailers than what you have experienced. Okay, perfect. Although I definitely the one that we saw together at some film, probably Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah. It's not the first one. I the first trailer I saw because the first trailer I saw like freaked me out because I was like, ugh, Finn Wolf's part is gonna play Boris. <laughs> is he gonna do an accent? doesn't mean anything to me. Finn Wolfhard is a, a person that I am vaguely starting to figure out who it is. It's Mike. Oh. From Stranger Things. Okay, there's another Finn, though. 
Phineas and Ferb? Yeah, Phineas and Ferb. There's another Finn W. who's like an adult actor. <laughs> Whitrock. I don't know what that is. Bless you. <laughs> uh, Finn Whitrock, he is... Let me get to somewhere... He's in. Un he's the lead of Unbroken. He's in The Big Short. Um, he is in If Beale Street Could Talk. He's in La La Land. Josh, you really had like the best one that you've given me so far is that he was in Un. Was he the star of Unbroken? Yeah. He was the star of Unbroken. Yeah, he was the. Or well, maybe not the star, no, but he was like the two kid then. Is Mac. Because number two is Domino Gleason. Oh, sorry, he's the four bill. So sorry. Okay, it matters. Josh, because I remember exactly two things about that film, and it's Jack O'Connell is in it, Domino Gleason is in it. Oh, he's probably the other guy that's stuck on the boat with him. Yeah. yeah. This is Fenwick Oh, he is a monster. I'm pretty sure he's in an American Horror Story season. He is in American Horror Story. Yeah, and he... Oh. Okay. <laughs> he's also in The Last Black Man in San Francisco, but I don't think you've seen that yet. I have not. Um, so, yeah. You just had to say the monster man. <laughs> I didn't know. I have not seen any of those. So, yeah, Finn Wittrock and Finn Wolfhard in my brain are, like, the same person. No, Finn Wolfhard is the... the Mike from Stranger Things. Yeah, the kid that grew, like, yeah. 12 feet. Two well, years. They do that. Yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's a there's a thing where like the in the trailer of It Chapter Two where they look into their reflections and they see their younger selves and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're so much older. <laughs> Alright, well, this is a way to nice we started with It Chapter Two, we ended with It Chapter Two. Here we go. Yes. All right, friends. If you want to join that, join this conversation, and why wouldn't you? You can do so at friend of a friend podcast at squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Leave us a five star review or any star reviews, hit, as well as hit that subscribe button. Oh, you can also subscribe. find us on uh, Twitter at EWT underscore podcast. YouTube's. Sucks Watch Together. Tumblr's. Sucks Watch Together. Letterboxd. Darby ACT and Kylie Galsher. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Josh. Kylie. Quack, 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 quack. quack, 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 quack.